You're listening to Yeah No, a podcast about starting a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. This is Mia. And this is Tina. So you see, that's what our democracy demands. It needs you. Not just when there's an election, not just when your own narrow interest is at stake, but over the full span of a lifetime. Sometimes you'll win, sometimes you'll lose, and there will be times when the process will disappoint you. For those of us fortunate enough to have been part of this work and to see it up close, let me tell you, it can energize and inspire. Did you watch Obama? Yeah. I was thinking about his farewell speech. Do you remember how inspiring and I remember coming out of that speech and feeling like I know what I need to do. I need to step up to the plate. I need to really take action. I need to make a contribution to making this world a better place. I've been relating it to, you know, these conversations we've been having on the podcast about business, that tone of being able to inspire people to step up and to rise to the occasion and take action. Yeah. That is such an interesting thing for us to to think about when you have a team and when you're growing your business, how do you get people to be accountable and and take some ownership? Yeah, so about ownership, which is what we're going to talk about today, I think you're right. And especially in a time where we are with Diagram, where you and I, as the owners of the business, are trying to grow it. And at the same time, we're very much we're in a transition period because we're still very much within the work. Businesses are always stronger when the person or the people who run it have a strong vision. But how do you ensure that that vision is being carried out without taking ownership away from the other people who are working at the business? Right. And I think the easy answer is always like you've got to give people space, but I'm not sure if that's equals Ownership. So I thought maybe it'd be interesting for us to talk about what is the definition of ownership? Like, I'm not sure if I'm clear on it. And then we believe that it's an important thing to cultivate in your business. But what what does that mean? It doesn't mean that we just say, like, we get a manager and then we say, go, you know, go manage. So for me personally, I feel ownership over something when I know what is expected, what the schedule or the timeline is of something, and who is involved. And I'm not quite sure if everybody feels that way. I think that some people feel ownership when they are facilitating or running the conversation. They feel ownership when they can make big decisions. I hesitate to say that ownership is based on personality, but 
I do think that people have different definitions of that, of ownership. There's a moment when you know you're, it's beyond just getting a task done. And I was reading an article about ownership where it said, ownership's a moment when you know that no help is coming. Like, is there a, a light bulb or a flag or something that co- goes up where you're just like, I have to take care of this. And if if I don't do it, it's not going to be done. And then you have to go and find the the path and the and figure out your plan and the people that can help you. But to me, that sounds like <laughs> push you into the deep end. I, well, that's what I'm wondering. Is there is there a moment when you realize, like, you have to take ownership and I I think about like feeling invested when do you feel like you have skin in the game right I'm doing this not because that metaphor is actually kind of gross why is that skin in the game I don't know I don't know whose skin it is I know skin is it that's what I'm saying and what game what game are you playing chicken skin in the game (laughs) maybe it's like a strip poker (laughs) just when you said that I was like that's a really weird maybe it's like skinning your knee like you gotta, you gotta put some skin in the game. If you sacrifice something, you lose some skin. Yeah. When do you feel like I'm doing this not because I have to do it, but because you know I want to do it or I want to see it through or I'm getting some kind of fulfillment out of it? You know. Yeah, that's so. That's interesting. I mean, the difference between um, idea of no one is coming to my rescue because I <laughs> not rescue help. That help isn't, there's not going to be help. Help is not okay, on No one way. is coming to help me. That's yeah. fine. That's one way. But the other way that I'm thinking about is what you were just saying, which is I want to own or I want to take care of this part of it. And I feel like those are two, people respond to those things in different ways. I feel like I have thrown people into the deep end and said, good luck, see you later, figure it out, right? And I just don't think it's worked well for me. I do well. I do really well with that. I feel like I like it when people throw me into the deep end because then I'm by myself and I can figure out what's happening. Right. But I feel like a lot of people are in the latter camp of – I need to want to do this right. in order to feel ownership over it. And that's the part that I I actually have a hard time doing because I feel like I can't make you want something. Right. But to bring it back to Obama, right, is that he doesn't say that I'm going to make you want something. Right. He says, I want you to do it and here are the reasons why you should do it. I'm debating myself right now, but for people like you who say, oh, it made me want to go and do stuff, it made me want to go and do things, you already want to. You know, it just ignites that feeling in you. But there are people out there who saw Obama's speech and they said, that was really good. And that's it at the end of the day. They don't necessarily want to go out and do things and, you know, grassroots and campaign and all that jazz. Because I, I, what I'm trying to figure out is, is ownership made or is it given? Sean, our, our dutiful producer, 
Dutiful. Dutiful. Is that a word? Dutiful. I meant like duty. <laughs> Not dude. Like you dude. You said the word duty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But I kind of like dutiful. Like dutiful. D-U-D. <laughs> like he's full of dude. <laughs> Sean, our lovely pr- producer. <laughs> Do you have a time when you felt ownership over a project? As you know, I used to work in a laboratory. This is a research lab that does basic science research using uh, mice as a model organism to, to, to study a disease. This lab was actually in a transition between moving facilities, so one of my tasks was to do an inventory on our mice colony. Oh, you had to count mice? I had to count mice. Wow, um, how many were there? Thousands. <laughs> well, we had a team. To count. How do you uh, know when you count in a mouse? Them? Yeah, like, are they, are they all white? No, they're all, so that's the thing. You have to know <laughs> their different colors. You have to know their colors. It's like that Office episode where Michael Scott, like, picks up those Asian girls and they come to a party. Yeah, yeah. And he puts a mark, a Sharpie mark, <laughs> on one of them because he can't tell the difference between the two Asians. We don't put markers on them. What we do is they're called ear cuts. And so these oh. are just ways to kind of identify the mice in there. So we have thousands have of lots mice. of questions. I know. Good. Can't mix up the mice. So I was in charge of doing the inventory on our mouse colony. So if you mix up mouse one with mouse two, it's like a lot of organization. And so did you feel ownership? I did feel ownership. And what Why? did your boss tell you? Was he just like, count these mice? Or was your boss like, if you mess this up, then all of my life's work is for naught? Or was he like, these mice hold the power for understanding how we're going to save the human race? Oh, no. My, oh, my boss was definitely uh, inspirational. With that. Oh, really? And yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if the requirements of feeling ownership are one... Your superior has to be inspiring and show and tell you the bigger picture, right? Two, you have to be scared enough to understand that if you fail at the task at hand, it will have a domino effect that will affect the inspirational message that your boss just said. Yep. Right? I guess my question is, is if you have one and not the other, if you have the fear that if what you do might screw it up, right, can you still feel ownership without having the inspirational big message? Oh, here's a good, here's a good example. Okay. I loaned, loaned a sweatshirt to a friend of mine who came over to stay and she was freezing. A favorite sweatshirt? A very, I like the sweatshirt very much. It's my sheep sweatshirt. Oh yeah, I know that sweatshirt. Yeah. So the next morning it was still cold and she was like, can I borrow it? And I said, of course, sure. I had a flicker in my mind of, when am I going to see you again? Because I'm going to really want that sweatshirt back, right? But I was like, oh no, it's a, it'll be fine. And I didn't see her for a couple of months it made me very sad that I didn't have that sweatshirt. On her side, though, this is what's really interesting. So finally, she comes over again, and she says, I brought your sweatshirt. And I was you know, so happy. And she said, it is so comfortable. I love it. And I said, 
I know. I love it, too. It's because you've worn it into the comfort stage. It is true. And she said she had gone on a trip to Iceland in between the time in the two months. So she asked her husband, do you think I can take this sweatshirt? And her husband said no, because if you take it, you're starting to own it. And it's not yours. That's where I feel like it, it was a ownership that grew over time because the longer that she had it, the more it became in her regular rotation, the more that she kept starting to see it, the more that she, you know, was getting comfortable with it. And then when she thought that she should take it, she realized that she had thought that she owned it. And then she was like, oh, right, I'm actually borrowing this. What I think is so interesting is that here's Sean working in a laboratory that's exploring, you know, neurological treatments and solutions for big healthcare problems. And then you've got your friend with your sheep sweatshirt, right? But that the, there are those same mechanisms. I think that's really interesting that you would point that out because one, I think in the sheep sweatshirt metaphor or the story, she knew how important that sweatshirt was to you. And the second thing was like, she had some fear that if she went to Iceland, she took that sweatshirt and something happened to that sweatshirt, that was important enough to her in terms of her values or or her relationship to you that she wasn't going to risk it. Maybe, but I would argue that it was more like one behavior, meaning taking the sweatshirt to Iceland, mm-hmm. would be crossing the line of borrowing and owning Think about the scenario of of working or right. everything outside of having a possession that, that's yours and you own it. Generally, it's not so clear that it's 100% yours, right? So I think in the situation of work or, or a project or collaboration, there may be something that you're responsible for that you have your over you have oversight but that always hinges on someone else you can't just pull that apart and just say like this is mine and right and this is you know it's independent from all these things so I do think that like it's a rare occasion when you have ownership in the pure sense of the form of like I 100% own this sweatshirt right you know so so it's like the question is do you need to have ownership over every single thing that you do every day right if you do then that's a personality thing and if you don't it's what are the things that you need to have ownership over? I think the, the opposite of that, where you feel like you have to own everything is not productive. You are controlling everything in every aspect. And you feel like if you don't have that, then you're going to disengage. Part of ownership is that like you can take charge of something, but that there's a feedback loop or there's something where you know that what you're doing has been acknowledged or recognized and that that's important to fostering a sense of ownership. But I, my question to you, Sean, would be how long did you have to do that estimate? It took a couple months. A couple months. Yeah. So you had two months to do it. So in between, did you have check-ins? Like, what's your boss like, hey, how many mice are counted today? Yeah. I, I mean, I forget the frequency, but yeah, we would update each other on how we're doing. Did you feel like you were responsible and owned that update? Absolutely. And why? Because I was the only one doing it. So that's the thing. If you're party of one, which is very rare in the world that we work in, right? But if you're a party of one and you're responsible for one thing, 
and then but you're... he wasn't responsible there were other people yeah i was the main person yeah main counter i was the main yeah, the counter. Mouse counter i was the main counter so if you're the master counter master mouse counter one person right it's easy to have ownership because that's a good point say that you feel like no one is going to come to help you right you're Oh, you're one person. That's it. The ownership is really easy to have when there's only one person. So the challenge is like, how do you defend your ownership status when right. there's a team of right. six? Sean and I were talking last night and I remember this story. I was just out of college, my undergrad, and I had a friend whose parents had this amazing house up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and they were going on a trip, and so they asked me to house it. The caveat was that they had a cat, and they had about 12 chickens and a rooster. And her daughter came home and was like, oh, yeah, you got to be careful because the chickens can get eaten. Like, so you need to make sure that the chickens go into the coop every night. And then I got freaked out because I was like, I can't have them come home and have their chickens eaten. I don't know what I'm going to do, right? So it went from, I have a task to do, which is watch the house and the chickens, to I feel a sense of responsibility, right? Like, I have to take care of these chickens. But what happened after a couple days is, one, I started getting, like, six eggs a day, you know? And then I started getting, like, into this, like, chicken. I was, like, a chicken caretaker, I guess. <laughs> But did you feel like you owned the chickens? Well, no, this is, and this is the thing, like, I knew they weren't my chickens, but I treated them as if I owned them. I realized that I figured out, and this is what you were talking about earlier, I figured out what needed to be done, right? Like, she left me a little note about, like, how to, what things to make sure always keep the chicken door shut and all this stuff. But Chicken I to- door? <laughs> Keep your chicken trap shut. (laughs) But the coop, the coop door, you know, and things like that and water them or whatever. But I had to kind of figure out the chicken rhythm, right? Like water the chickens. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got (laughs) it. It was like figuring out the steps and. But there's a fine line between responsibility Mm -hmm. and ownership, right? And, And accountability, yeah. And you, the person, right, the caretaker of the chickens, are um, people who work for you, potential employees, right? The person who hired you to bring take care of the chickens are you and I, the owners of the chickens, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that people who work for you can sometimes feel a temporary responsibility of chickens for the time being and say, okay, I can, sure, I can feed your chickens. I'm very capable of, you know, watering them and closing the chicken coop door. Yeah. And I'm very happy. And I love those chickens for the time that I'm there. But then I'm out. See you later. Yeah. And that's that's where, like, the disconnect is for me because I would want you to say, can I take one of these chickens home? I really love this chicken and I want to take care of it. And I want to go and start my own coop. Right, right. And, and that's, that's the, thing. the, you know, that's the magic I'm talking about. It's like she could have had the person that just shows up, waters, closes the coop door and leaves, right? Doesn't care about the chicken, 
collects the eggs, puts the eggs in the fridge, checked out. Where's my money? Done. Then there's like kind of the middle person who's like, like, oh, I'm going to do what you just described. I'm going to do this job and I'm going to be done. And, you know. And I'm going to do a good see, job at may it. may never see chickens again. Right. You know? But I'm going to stay overnight and under at the during the time yeah. that you're not there, yeah. I'm going to take care of yeah. these chickens all the time. And then there's the third person who's like, I've never taken care of chickens before. I didn't realize it was so much fun to take care of chickens. Chickens are really interesting. The highest point is like somebody for me that's taken like, they figured out what their angle is into the, solving the problem and they've put a little bit of themselves or they've they've cultivated an interest in that thing even if it may have not been something that originally when they signed up for the job right you know what i mean that's where obama succeeds yeah. right. right he gets people yeah. to go and yeah. do the things that he's talking about you know what's built into what he's saying is what's in it for me to get people motivated and hold them accountable and you're doing this not not just for personal fulfillment but because you're contributing to someone else and i do think that that's that's a reward towards taking ownership right like you feel like you're part of something bigger so stay tuned for our next episode episode nine and if you like what you hear, consider subscribing to Yano Podcast. We can be found on the interwebs at yanopodcast.com and on Instagram, Yano Podcast. This episode was produced and our guest speaker today was Sean Nazari, uh, recorded at Figure 8 Studios here in Brooklyn by Michael P. Coleman. Music was written and produced by Chess Smith. We will see you on the next episode. See you next time.